0: Hi, I'm Jeremy Kirk, executive editor with Information Security Media Group. Remote desktop protocol is one of the most used facilities to connect remotely to Windows computers, but it also poses risks if configured incorrectly. I'm speaking today with Chris Morales, who is head of security analytics at Vectra. Thank you for joining us, Chris. Absolutely, Jeremy, glad to be here. So it seems like with the number of security incidents that involve RDP, that would be enough for organizations to steer away from it. Are organizations being more careful with their RDP setups these days, or are there some slip-ups? You know, it's an interesting point because you you would think
1: that if something's being used enough times for attacks, that maybe it'd be a reason to stay away. But the reality is, as you mentioned, it's the ubiquity of remote desktop protocol I mean, it's been around since, I believe, 1996. As long as there's been a graphical user interface in, on Windows, um, starting with Windows NT, and Windows 95, there has been a, a need to administrate graphical interfaces remotely, hence Remote Desktop Protocol. And it's built into so many business processes over so long, into so many different products from manufacturing and managing IoT devices to healthcare providers and their service providers, that it's become so ubiquitous that I don't think it's going to go away because it can't go away. And more than that, I think the reason that it's used so much in a tax is for, because precisely that it is so common and it's so easy to look for. And that even if you start thinking of – competing methods of managing remote desktops, if it isn't even the Microsoft Remote Desktop Protocol, it's going to be something else and it's gonna run into the same problems anyway.
0: Yes, and in August, uh, Microsoft detailed four different uh, pre-authentication vulnerabilities in RDP including some that were wormable, which, of course, are really dangerous. Uh, what can you tell us about the RDP sort of patching scene and what are some of the patterns and sort of, I guess, habits of organizations around ensuring that's um, tidied up?
1: Yeah, so, you know, it, it's like when you ask the question, do do organizations patch well for things like RDP or any vulnerability, it's always the answer is always yes and no. There are the things that their organizations are aware of that they can control and manage and they're able to patch uh, in particular, when they're considered critical vulnerabilities like this, when organizations like national governments like the NCSC in the U.K. or FBI in the U.S. or various ones start telling you it's a problem, I think that they do a good job of solving and alleviating those they know about. The problem becomes in what they organizations do not know about, in particular, unmanaged devices that come from service providers that are using remote desktop to manage devices within another organization, and you become with this complex layers of like, okay, well, who's responsible for patching? Whose business process is it? And it becomes more of an issue of managing the supply chain and managing other vendors, which we hear all the time about supply chain attacks. Uh, Managed service providers and other people become the way in. Great example of this is the recent compromise in Texas of the 22 cities. What was compromised was the remote desktop access of the service provider that managed all 22 cities, not the cities themselves. So it becomes a problem of, okay, so you can patch what you have, but who's patching what
0: you don't have? And that raises a really good point. And there's been a lot of awareness around, you know, is your supplier or is your other vendor doing things properly? Do you have some ideas of, of how organizations can ensure specifically that, you know, for instance, RDP connections are secure and that on the other side, they're using complex passwords and some of the other good hygiene that you should be using?
1: Yeah, and and when you think of a supply chain in particular it comes down to it's almost, so people talk about the basics in security. I think this is a basic thing. Uh, it's doing a better audit of the provider and service level agreements that adhere to specific security requirements. Quite often for a lot of small, medium businesses, they don't know the right questions to ask or large ones might. And we need to help these small, medium businesses much more and start to document that and explain like any access to your network by a service provider has to have the same level of multi-factor authentication that you require for your own employees. And for RDP in general, whether it's owned internally or externally, the simplest thing is saying just build a better username and password, followed by make sure that you limit the use of RDP to the correct systems into the right places, which gets into some access control levels. And then the last stage is like start to monitor who uses it when and where and how they're using it so that you can start to identify the misuse of remote desktop before it becomes a
0: problem like ransomware. And Vector recently published a report on RDP and it included some of the interesting sort of forensic signs that organizations might see if RDP is being abused. Can you tell me a few of those clues? I, I can and, and sometimes there are interesting things we don't think about. So. With Remote Desktop, you have
1: clients and you have the servers that people access. Every client has its own unique signature, its own footprint, its own fingerprint. And each client can be tracked to a particular user and system. You're able to map that client, which in Microsoft's world is a product ID, and they're all unique, that you're able to map that product ID to every system and say, okay, well, I know the service provider administrator Joe uses this product ID and he's coming from this subnet range and he's using this account to do it. Like you can learn those things and if there's variations, that's an indicator. Some of the more interesting things we learned is that when people log into RDP, it has a default keyboard, which uh, it could be English, it could be French, whatever it is, there is a default keyboard layout used by the company. Something novel we've learned is that quite often when an attack comes from a foreign country or from a foreign language speaker, they're more comfortable using access in their own language and they can do things like change the keyboard layout within the remote desktop session, which becomes an indicator that if you have somebody using a Chinese keyboard, where traditionally you always get an English keyboard, and even more of an indicator when it's coming from a product ID, which is one you've never seen accessing the network from a different subnet. These combination of factors starts to raise the confidence in like, this is clearly
0: not normal. And what tips would you pass along to practitioners who want to preserve the utility of using RDP, but also ensure that attackers don't want to abuse it? You know what? Step one is, is proactively look for the use of remote desktop in a
1: network. The reality is, is that, you're never, and by you, an IT security team or IT staff is never going to have 100% awareness of everything there just from practical knowledge. Like, there, there's times they use it, but you start to think about the supply chain service providers. What this means is that you have to collect data continuously and monitor it and start to understand, okay, I see port 3389, which is the default remote desktop port in use. Investigate what that is. Like step one is just understanding what the attack surface is, how it changes, where it's being used from, then asking the questions, why is it being used? Who's using it? Making a decision now that you know who's using it and why should it be used? And once you remove all the places it shouldn't be used and, and you keep the places that has to be used or it's already used in process, Then it's doing the things I mentioned before, such as locking down the access of it to very specific sites, locations, and people, using better passwords, multi-factor in these cases, which Microsoft already fully supports that for remote desktop, uh, as do other vendors. And then continuously monitoring the usage of that to recognize any of the forensic signs that might indicate the misuse so that you're able to respond before it's a problem.
0: All good tips. Thank you very much for joining us, Chris. My pleasure. I appreciate it. I've been speaking with Chris Morales, who is head of security analytics at Vectra. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk.